0: There was a man, he wanted to buy a gift for his mother, for her birthday. Not just any gift, I mean a gift. One of those gifts that says, you are unbelievable, mom. So he's looking, he's shopping, he's hunting, he's reading, he's checking. He finally finds what he believes is the gift. He found a bird, a bird that could speak. 4,000 words in this bird's vocabulary. Over four languages could be spoken by this bird. Four different languages. This bird could sing three operatic arias in total. He thought, this is unbelievable. This rich man said, now mom's going to feel loved with this one. So he pays $50,000 for this bird. And he has the bird sent to mom. He calls her up. And he says, hey, mom, did you get the gift? And she says, yeah. And he goes, what'd you think of the bird? She goes, it was, it was great. And he goes, no, what'd you think of the bird? It was delicious. <laughs> How important is it to understand purpose, right? Purpose. When we talk about where we're headed and what we're doing and what's going on, we better understand the purpose. You know, we talked about the four W's. Worship, walk, work, and witness. Aaron talked about it this morning with where they went with the Jamaica team. Worship, walk, work, and witness. It's what we're all about as we make disciples. But how do we get there? How do we go after this? Is it just a task we start doing? It's just a list of things we do and then we're done? It's so much more than that. The challenge in this next sermon series that we're going after here is called Created to Love. Why are we going after worship, walk, work, and witness? Because we are created to love. This is all about how do I engage the whole of me in loving the Lord my God and in loving others. That's what we're looking at, is created to love. You, being able to find the most fulfilling the most rewarding, the most engaging opportunity of your lifetime to be able to live the design God's made for you. You have been created to love, not to consume, but to love. As we dive into this series, Created to Love, we're going to look at time, talent, and treasure, but how we pour the whole of ourselves How we get in alignment with the Lord God Almighty and go hard after him. And how that helps us create the full disciple who worships, walks, works, and witnesses. Today we're going to be looking at created to love. That we should be giving of our time. Did you know that? Time is actually a precious commodity. And if we're willing to give of our time, we're actually beginning to grasp a little bit of what it means to love giving of our time. So that's what we're going to look at today. Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. Uh, The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. If you do not have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one to you. We're going to be going verse by verse through this passage. Luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37. So just raise your hand and we'll get a Bible to you, okay? Luke chapter 10. Again, remember we're answering this question. How do I give my time? How can I live this design I've been created for? Created to love with time. Okay, here we go. First point, look to the word, prioritize as God does. Look to the word, prioritize as God does. The very first thing we have to make sure we're going to do, if we're going to be giving properly of our time, if we're going to be living out created to love, we better make sure we understand what the scripture says. It's that simple. Where do you get that from, Tim? I'll show you. Here we go. We'll start in verse 25. Luke is writing here. He says, and behold. Okay, here's that word again, right? How many times have we run into this word behold in the last few months? When they're writing and they say behold, they mean, check it out. Watch this. You'll be amazed. Well, why is Luke saying that? If we actually look right before it, Jesus is talking He's actually in a little bit of a prayer moment too here as he's reflecting in verse 21. And he says, In that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and yet you have revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. As Jesus was sharing and praying, he was saying, Guys, There are some very learned men, and they're not getting it. There are some people who are seriously wise as far as we would consider them. But let me tell you, their pride is making them walk right past the answer. Wise, in our eyes, is not equaling getting the answer. Those who have the heart of a little children, those are the ones who are getting it. God is at work. He's at work in the humble. He's at work in the little. God is at work in those who are looking for him in their life. That is to be praised. That's what Jesus is saying. He is all over those who are ready to drop on their knees before God Almighty. Now Luke says, and behold. Behold what? A lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. Can you hear the example? Jesus would just saying, I'm telling you, some of the wise are not getting it. Example, one who was an expert in the law stood up, stood up. Well, what was he sitting down for? You know, quite often when Jesus would speak, those who were listening and being taught would end up sitting around him and Jesus would begin to share and he would point to something. He would use it as a good teacher and he would use it as an example and speak to it and he would turn and he would reflect and he would shape. And those that are sitting around him are his students his followers. One of these experts in the law was sitting there with him, and he stood up. Do you hear it? He stood up to put him to the test. He said, I've got a question. Okay, now all of a sudden, he's beginning to exert his own will. And here's what the expert in the law said. Teacher, a little bit of respect. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What we need to know first is this expert in the law believed firmly, I've got it, right? I mean, I'm the guy who's following the Torah. I'm the one who knows all that's supposed to be going on. I'm the one who's helping everybody else. I'm the one that people look to and say, he seems to have it together. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You hear the arrogance going on in it? Basically he's saying, come on, say it in front of everybody. You've got it. You know, come on. And what does he say? He says, what is written in the law, Mr. Expert of the law? Right? He's like, hey, you're an expert in the law. You tell me. Does Jesus take this little push down where Jesus sits down and goes, oh, you know, hey, I don't know. You tell me what you're trying to make a point of here. Right? He looks at him and he says, okay, Mr. Expert, you're an expert in the law. Let's use the law. What does the law say and then he says how do you read it the lawyer answers him, verse 27 uh <clears throat> says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself okay why did the law why did this lawyer answer that way you know it's actually not quite clear there's a myriad of answers he could have given These are two things that Jesus was certainly pressing the point on. So apparently he's somewhat reflecting on, I know the law, and I know what Jesus is saying, and I can say where the two line up, so at least I don't look like a fool in front of all these people, and I certainly can assert this couple of facts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Well, that's Deuteronomy 6.5. In the Jewish culture, that was called the Shema. At least twice a day, if you were a good Jew you would pray this prayer. And it goes in the Hebrew like this. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohim. Adonai Yehud." The Lord, our God. It says, hear him. Shema. Hear him, the Lord, our God. The Lord, he is one. And then he goes on from there. What is Deuteronomy 6, 5 saying? It's saying, give the whole of yourself to our one almighty God. Love him with all that you have. Know of him. Center yourself on him. Be about him. Love the Lord your God. Twice a day, they would pray that prayer. They would cry that prayer out. Can't go wrong answering that way, right? Let's see, I'll quote the law. I'll quote what we do twice a day, especially if we're good Jews, right? So he quotes that. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he's actually using two different points in the law and he's bringing them together. He's saying it's about going vertical and it's about going horizontal. And I would think if you do that, then there should be internal life involved. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay, so that's his answer. Question, is it wrong to ask, how do I, what do I need to do to get eternal life? You see, the lawyer is looking at himself and his actions and he's saying, I think we human beings can do enough to get to heaven. My question is, how much is enough? Give me the bar. And so Jesus says, will you give me the bar? So he gives him a quote, and Jesus then answers him this way. Verse 28, he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Okay, we got to be very careful here, all right? What is Jesus saying to him? First of all, he says, you have answered correctly. In other words, good job. Hey, at least you know the Torah. Hey, at least you can quote. You quoted from Deuteronomy. You quoted from Leviticus. You know your stuff there. We appreciate that. Good job. Way to go to the word. Way to prioritize, at least here. Way to prioritize it, you know? Now, here's the thing. It says, love the Lord your God. It says, with all your heart, soul, strength, Mind. All. All. Not just some. Not just on Mondays. Not just Monday through Friday and skip Saturday, take a little break that day. All. All the time. Do that. And then you'll live. Do you hear the challenge? He's saying, look, if you want to quote the law and live by the law, if you want to be about your actions, then here's your challenge. You know the law. Do it. Completely. Completely all the time. Good luck with that. Right? I mean, Jesus has put him to the challenge. The one thing we need to realize is Jesus is consistent from beginning to end. You know, when we look in the scriptures in the New Testament, we see this challenge that eternal life comes by faith, by trusting in God Almighty. Why? Because as hard as we try, that law who is perfect, which is perfect, keeps pointing out that we're not. You know what I mean? That's what we keep finding. That we can't do the all part of that command. We can do some. But the all part gets us. And so the answer is. Put your whole faith. Lean into God Almighty. Trust in him. Turn away from those wicked ways. Let him change your heart from the inside out. The lawyer. Is looking to. Execute law. Jesus simply challenges him with this. Good luck with that law. Do it in whole. Do not stop short. Use the word of God and let it change you for a lifetime. By the way, on that one, you're going to find you need to come back to me and you're going to need a little help. But good luck with the all part. Go do it. And stop asking questions. It's a pretty heavy hammer. That's a little heavy moment. Now, the reality is this lawyer was standing up to test Jesus. And Jesus simply challenged the heart of the man and put him back on his heels. How often do we end up standing up before God Almighty to test? How often do we stand up to say, I want to know something. I got a question for you. Why is it? How come you, I think it should be careful. He's got an answer. You know what I'm saying? We serve a God who knows what he's talking about. Maybe it's best that we come to him with this kind of a question. Lord, what is it I need to know? What is it I'm missing? Help me see the whole picture. Because the part I'm seeing, it's not making a lot of sense. What needs to be more clear? Show me from your word. The power of God's word in our life to change us for a lifetime. The power of seeing his priorities, his passions, his ways. It starts right here with the black and white and sometimes red, right? It's get into the word and spend a little bit of time learning of him and learning what he's saying and learning what he's challenging. We have the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit teach us regularly from his word. As we dive in and learn. And when we come with the information of scripture, he answers, you have answered correctly. When we know what's here and we begin to apply, he answers, now that's what I'm talking about. That's my boy. That's my girl. You're headed in the right direction. Here we go. Let's lock arms together. Let's do this thing together. I'm telling you, I'm not calling you to do something that I'm not gonna tell you what I want. I'm telling you exactly what where we're headed, and I'm going to walk there with you. If we're going to do this thing called created to love, if we're going to give the whole of ourselves, don't we need a little bit of guidance along the way? This is where we need to go for it. He says, you have answered correctly. Go to the word. This is where we need to start. So our first, look to the word. Prioritize as God does. Your life will reflect your priorities. Your priorities will reflect your beliefs. Your beliefs will be found in your day-to-day adventures. Look into the scriptures. Adjust your priorities and act accordingly. You have a chance to live an amazing life with God. You have a chance to see and, and experience him richly and in a real way for all eternity. I just don't want you to miss it. I want you to be blown away with the greatness of God instead of, I don't know, it seemed like that was the right way to go. Get into the scriptures. He's got deep truth for us. But he's got more. Second point. Do not make man's rules or my schedule more important than helping others. Do not make man's rules or my schedule more important than helping others. Okay. So, we have this lawyer who's now been faced publicly, right? Have you ever been in one of those moments where you ask a question or you say something and there's this totally embarrassing thing that just happens and now you feel like all the eyes are looking at you? Probably it's only two or three people that really are, but you're totally embarrassed. So, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, my word, what am I going to do? What do I say? So, the lawyer says, I will redeem myself. Verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? In other words, no, seriously, it was a good question. You know what I mean? One of those where you've asked the question and you're not getting this great response. And so you end up turning it and trying to dive in a little bit deeper. No, so, so who is my neighbor then? In other words, who's this person I should be loving? Who's this person I should be reaching out to? Jesus answers, a man was going. Okay. Can you imagine being the people that are standing around when the lawyer says this? Well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes, a man was going, yo, uh uh-oh, look out, story coming. This dude's getting toasted. Watch this. You know what I mean? You you can just see it. Story's coming. He's going to explain, and it's going to be really clear and totally obvious, and we should have, watch this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Why is he saying that? Because Jerusalem was up high. And to go down to Jericho, it was 17 miles away on a road and down 3,300 feet. Okay? So you were walking downhill for 17 miles to get to Jericho. That's where he's going. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this is also a place where there are a lot of people hanging out going, I know this is one of the paths and we can nail somebody here. There's a lot of robbery that goes on on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Pick your guy well and then get whatever you want from him, okay? So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. And those hearing the story go, yeah, no kidding. We've heard about that, you know. They stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. The reality was this man was in dire straits. He had been knocked down. Everything he owned was taken. He had been bruised. He had been beaten. We don't know if there were broken bones or not, but it certainly was bad. There was probably a lot of blood, blood that was beginning to pool up in the dirt. Have you ever seen that? You know, it gets kind of this thick, brownish kind of, and that is pooled around him as he's laying there, wounded, stripped, and nothing. That is the situation. In that moment, verse 31, now, by chance... Can you hear the tongue-in-cheek on this, right? Jesus Christ understands the sovereignty of God, right? Now, by chance, there was a priest coming by. Yeah, sure, okay. So we have this priest assigned who's coming by. He's going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He caught a good look. He saw this man stripped. He saw the blood. He saw the pain, and he did one of these. Moving over to this side and moving on. Why would he do that? Well, here's a couple of things we need to know. First of all, a priest was somebody who was all over ceremonial uncleanness. He would deeply understand that. If you touch a man who's dead and it said he was left half dead, it was probably not clear if he was dead or not. If he goes up to check this man, he could be unclean for a week. If it turns out he's not dead, but if there's all this blood and everything, he could be unclean for at least a day. He's risking ceremonial uncleanness. And he is supposed to be one of those representatives who mediates between the Jews and God. I can't risk being ceremonially unclean. I've got some principles here. I've got some duty here. So I'm not going to risk it. Now, the reality is he's leaving Jerusalem. So he probably has already done his ceremonial tasks. And he's on his way back home. He probably could have risked it but he chose that ceremonial uncleanness was important. Maybe it's more than that, you know? I mean, for example, one of the beliefs they had was, hey, uh, God's going to bless those who are following after him, and he's going to curse those who aren't. That kind of looks like a curse to me. I'm thinking God's against you. I'm moving away. God can deal with you, and moves on. Quite possible, right? It doesn't really say exactly what he's thinking, but we do know this. He didn't stop. He went on the other side, And he continued moving on that is the example tie it back to the question that the lawyer asked the lawyer actually asked my question to you is how do i inherit eternal life and who's my neighbor the answer is well in this case the priest is not executing very well right i mean is he saying the priest don't have eternal life What's he trying to tell us? Can you just imagine their wheels spinning right now as they're trying to tie it all together? The priest, he's not doing a good job. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. But the highest of the high, not doing very well on the grading scale, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing he goes to. So likewise, verse 32, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. Now we have the Levite. Okay, what's the difference? A Levite is one who's born into the tribe of Levi. He's got the bloodline lineage. He's a true hardcore Jew, okay? The Levites assisted the priests. So we first looked at the first in command. Now we're looking at the second in command, the helpers of the first in command, okay? And we're saying a Levite is now coming by. Surely he'll do something well, right? And that Levite, well, yeah, he saw him and he passed by on the other side as well. Same basic things going through his head, most likely. Moves on aside. Jesus is saying, look, the principles the man's rules, his guidelines, he moved on. We have to be so careful that the roots in our heart, that the shallowness of our souls, that the core of where we're at in our walk with God is more about man's rules and our own schedules. You know, I'm sorry, I got to get all the way to Jericho. Have you ever tried to walk 17 miles? I got a long walk ahead of me. I don't have time to stop and help somebody. I'm not sure what you did, but whatever it is, you shouldn't have done it. I got to move on. That's where he's at. His own schedule, his own rules, his own boundaries, and he moves on. We have to be so careful of that shallowness. You know, we, uh, we've been doing some landscaping around our house, and there's this spot of grass on the side of our yard that has turned brown. And the rest of the grass is, you know, it's in the middle. You know, it's just started getting really warm. And so most of it stayed pretty green. We've had a lot of rain. It's been pretty cool. But this spot went brown fast. I'm like, wow, I don't get that, you know. And uh, we've been talking to Dave Jones, who attends our body here, uh, knows a lot about grass. Uh, his, his job is a turf doctor. And he comes over and he looks at it with us. And uh, we're assuming we must have dumped something from the, from the landscaping on that area and hurt it, you know. And he goes, well, that's a good guess. But watch this. Takes out a screwdriver. And he goes over to the deep, lush green grass and just sinks that screwdriver and it drops, you know, a good six, eight inches. Wham. He's like deep, rich. This is good stuff right here. Pulls it out, goes over to the brown and it goes. He said, I don't know what's down there. About two inches down. You've got gravel. You've got rock. You have something. This is a very shallow bed. The roots on this grass system are super shallow. And what's happening to him is just a little bit of heat, just a little bit of dry. And bam, it goes brown. How much is that like us? How much is that like our life system? And if we don't have a deep, entrenched love relationship with God Almighty, if we don't have a deep, rich experience with Him regularly, how shallow our root system is and how easy it is for the junk of this world to just dry us out and burn us up. It is all about recognizing that we've been created to love. That we have been designed by God, who is love, to be a loving soul. To love him, to have a relationship with him, to have a life with him that changes us for all eternity. That we can be motivated with a deep, rich system of relationship with God Almighty. My question to you is this. How deep is your system? How deep are your roots? How much time are you spending with him? How much relationship do you have with him? How much is he rocking you with who he is? Are you seeing him in the scripture? Are you seeing him in this world? Are you seeing him as he touches people's lives and going, wow, now that's a God worth knowing. Let me tell you about my God. And we're turning the other way and spilling out. Is that where you're at? Or is it more about the job, the home, the tasks, the stuff? And then once a week, we get a little bit of a wake-up call when we're into the third song. Because it takes two for us to forget the busyness of trying to get here and get the kids in and all that stuff. And by the third song, we're starting to get pumped up a little bit. And by the fourth song, it's going pretty good. And by the fifth, we're like, wow, it's already done. And we're going into the rest of the service. and, And that's my whole experience with God each week. Be careful. The shallow root system, it's going to let you brown out so fast when stuff gets tough. My fear for you, my prayer for you, is to have a deep root system with him. To have met the one who is called to love and to have been blown away for a lifetime. To have met the one who can change your life in each and every moment and to have found him to be worthy of being known. That's the God I'd love to have you introduced to on a regular basis so that you, in the midst of saying, I have met the one called love, can say, and now I get what love is all about. Now I understand the design that I have in me, that I've been created to love. First and foremost, we need to find our priorities from scripture. Second, we need to make sure that we don't make our own schedules and our own rules More important, shallowing out the root system that we've got. And then lastly, do have compassion. Share mercifully. Pour it out on people. Pour it out. Christ gets to his example. Remember, he's talking to a lawyer. He's used the example of the priest and the Levite. And now he says, verse 33, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and saw him. Now, he basically said it this way. He said, But a Samaritan, and the people around him went, oh. Okay, that's how it goes. The view from the Jews of who a Samaritan was was not pretty. All right? Basically, there was this other nickname, Half Breed. They had this view that the Samaritans were not worthy of the sandals of God Almighty, they were not worthy to be related to. We need to separate. You know, I started looking into it a little bit this week. I thought, well, why? What what happened that's so horrific? that we wouldn't ice them. I mean, come on, seriously. If everybody took a good look at their life, each of us would be kind of going, I don't know, I got some stuff to clean up. What's so big about the Samaritans? Here's a couple of things I found. First of all, 1 Kings 16.24. 1 Kings 16.24. The king is Amri at this point up in Israel. If you remember, Israel split into Israel and Judah. So there was a north and a south. The king of Israel in the north, Amri, ends up going and buying some property. He buys from a king named Shemer, and he names the place Shemaria. You hear it? Like, it's named after him, okay? Like, I'll name the place after you if you give it to me. So he buys the property from this other person and then names it after him, and that's what Samaria is. And it went by several other names over time, including Ephraim and a few others. But this city, Samaria, was key to the northern Israel, key to it. 722 BC comes along. Assyria comes in, grabs Israel, takes them away captive, drops them in their own land, leaves them there for hundreds of years. And as they start bringing them back in, sometimes they brought in some Jewish people from Israel. Sometimes they just brought in anybody else they had captured along the way. So this place is being repopulated with a whole mix of nations, some Jews, some not. And they have lost their religion. They have lost their God. They are totally on their own. And in the midst of this, they begin to just intermarry. And all of a sudden, there's this total loss of understanding of who they are. And the Judaism, the people from Judah down below are looking up at that going, that's despicable. You have lost that we are called to be separate. You have lost that we are to be following after Yahweh. You have just begun to intermarry and do whatever. No way will we be like that. No way. So they've begun to draw this wall between the two. And the Samaritans are those people. You know what I'm talking about? They're in the those people category. So he says, but a Samaritan was coming along. And now all of a sudden we go, oh. So like 500 years of hatred and upsetness and disappointment. And that's what's going on. Huge, long-term prejudice against these people. The Samaritan, you know, that guy you're thinking is a total loser, he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw this hurting man, he had compassion on him. This word compassion in the Greek, it actually means that he had this wrenching feeling in the spleen. He had this gut-wrenching internal angst over what that man was in. That's what it really means. We put the word compassion there and you almost blow by it, you know? Like he felt bad for him. That's kind of what we think, you know? Oh, he kind of felt sorry for him. No, it's he hurt with him. He was there in the moment with him. It was as if it happened to him. His internal guts were wrenched to the core. He looked at him and he had compassion upon him. He stepped in in that moment and felt what he was feeling. But compassion is more than just feelings. Compassion will lead you to action. And look what happens in verse 34. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, and he poured on oil and wine. Okay, that actually is a nice thing. When you read it, it sounds pretty hardcore. It's like, was he punishing him? What's he doing? That's actually what they believed would heal some of the wounds. So they poured on the oil and wine in order to try to cleanse and clean so they had some uh, binding, some cleaning. Then he set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. He actually took himself off the road, off of travel, to an inn and took care of him overnight. He spends the whole night nurse mating this guy off of his beaten trail, off of the schedule that he had in planned. And he's living these feelings that he has for him, these compassion elements it then says, verse 35, the next day, he took out two denarii. The next day, he sacrificed a day of travel for this guy. And now he's sacrificing from his cash flow. A denarii is equal to about a day's wage is one denarii. So this is like two days wages being pulled out and dropped on the table. And then he says, if there's anything more, when I come back, I'll pay the rest. Right? So he says, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay when you come back. Christ challenges verse 36. Which of these three do you think prove to be the neighbor? Now, if you actually listen to this question, he's actually reversed the question. The question was, who should I care for? Who's worthy of my stepping into their life? That's the question. Who is it that I might be able to lean in and spend some time with where it'd be appropriate? Because I'm sure there's a lot that aren't, right? The typical Jewish view was only good people, only good Jewish people are your neighbors. If they're not Jewish, forget them. And if they're not good, forget them. So he's saying, how do I measure good Jews? And the answer Christ gives is quite the opposite. Who is being neighborly? Who's the one who's understanding and reaching out to the one next to him? Who is it? And in that moment, he should be giving the S word answer. He should be saying Samaritan, right? And so he answers, uh, the one who showed mercy. It would be that guy, the showing mercy guy. I'm not going to say who it was, right? Can you just hear it? I, 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 I can't say that name. It's just an example. I can't say that name. The, the one who showed mercy. Jesus doesn't rail him on that. He just says, go and do likewise. Recognize this. You need to stop asking if someone's worthy of your care. And you need to start caring. Recognize this, you are more worried about how they look than what your heart looks like to God Almighty. It's time for you to recognize that you need to be loving God with all you've got. That you need to be loving others with all you've got. And you stop asking the question, are they worthy of my time? You have been created to love. Go and do it. Go and do it. His challenge was simply to get involved. His challenge was to invest. Imagine there's a man who has a bank account. Every day he gets $86,000 dumped into that bank account. But at the end of the day, the bank calls and says, you did not use the $86,000, we are removing it. Out. It takes a day or two for that to happen. And then when they drop the 86,000 in in the morning, what do you think the guy does, Right? You go, better use it or they're going to get rid of it on you, right? So you start figuring out how to use it. How would you use it? Every day, you and I get 86,400 seconds dropped into our bank. And the question is, how do you use it? Because at the end of the day, it's gone. 86,400 seconds. I can't even count in seconds. They fly by too fast. Count it in hours if you want. How do you spend your time throughout each day? Throughout each week, are you spending the time to figure out how you can meet the Almighty who is called love, to be changed for a lifetime, and then to turn and pour that outward, to find those in need? Now, don't get me wrong. Some of you are going, I have families, I have kids. I, what are you saying, that I should stop caring for them? Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> no way, right? You have responsibilities, and as we look at our scriptures, the first responsibility you have is to spouse and to kids. Care for your families, yes, but there's more. To reach beyond and to find who God is calling you to around you. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's here at church, finding a place to serve and fill in. What does God have you doing so that you can best learn from him on a daily basis to meet the one called love? To meet the one who will rock you to the core. To meet the one who can show you and bring you to tears so that you're moved for a lifetime. And then turn you with that motivation outward to go and help others. Please hear that order. The answer is not, just go run out and do some stuff. I don't know, do something. That's humanitarian, right? Just go help some people. Just help somebody somewhere, I don't care where. That's not the plan, okay? The plan is to meet God Almighty, to meet the one who is called love and to get his character through and through. And then spilling over at the seams, much like you saw as Aaron was sharing of the experience these guys had in Jamaica, as you're spilling at the seams, having met him and seen him and done for him and done with him to go. Now, that's something I want in my life. And I want you to have him too. I want you to experience him as well. When we talk about making disciples, one who worships, walks, works, and witnesses, how are you spending your time in worshiping him, in knowing him and adoring him? How are you spending your time in walking, in growing next to others, joining a small group, being regular in your attendance, and growing there, challenging one another? Or in work? Signing up in the volunteer areas. You know, we got a new ministry year starting up. We're starting up an Awana program for first through fourth grade kids on Wednesday nights. We're going to need helpers. We're going to do higher ground stuff with kids. We've got small group leadership. We've got tons of opportunities all over the place. What does it look like to join here and make this your home and spend some of your time, please hear me, some of your time, balanced out in worship, walk, work, and then sharing in the neighborhood's sharing with friends or family, somebody that lives next door, someone you can't even believe, someone you would normally walk past because they deserve where they're at. But God's calling you to love on them with all you got. It's time for us to spend our time loving others. It's time for us to spend our time first loving Him, to be changed by Him, And then let it pour out into the worship, walk, work, and witness of your life here at this church. I want the best thing for you that you can have. And it's not that you just check a box and go, I served. It's that you've met the Almighty. It's that he has changed your vision and your insight. He has warmed your heart. He has deepened your roots. He has shifted you for a lifetime. And you're going after him with all you've got. And then that spills over to the streets and into the church, as you love others. You, I, have been created to love. You have been specifically designed to be most satisfied when you are lavishing out upon God and upon others. You have been specifically designed, created with a purpose in mind, much like that bird at the beginning in the story, language and speaking and interaction, not just to be eaten, right? What is God calling you to? Who is God calling you to? When is he calling you to it? You're created to love. It's time to give of our time in balance. Please hear me in balance. We're not trying to create monsters who are all over the church for a hundred hours a week and their families are falling apart and their work is please hear me. It's all in balance, in priority, using the scriptures as our guide, worship, walk, work, and witness as a part of your life in balance, giving great honor to God, rocking your world, and changing the ones next to you. Now that's a plan that can live a lifetime of fulfillment. Let's pray.